Two Leadership Podcast, episode 114, Tough Talk. We are in part two of our series talking about tough conversations. And I want to start with a question. Have you ever been on the receiving end of a tough conversation? I've been on the receiving end of many tough conversations, but one that really sticks out to me was a conversation that consisted of two sentences. That is correct. Two whole sentences. Let me just set this up for you. It was the summer that I was working kids camp with the Oklahoma Assemblies of God. And the camp directors were brother and sister Sawkill, and they were just some of the best leaders to work with. They were so good at what they did. Their integrity was so high. Their standard was so high. And they lived up to that themselves that you just did not want to disappoint them. They were great leaders and made the entire summer just a ton of fun. Now, summer camps are a lot of work. And so as you go throughout the summer camp rotation, you can start to get tired and everybody can start getting a little bit lax because it's just seven days a week for two months. And so it's a long summer and people get tired. Well, about midway towards the end of the summer camps, one of the interns completely slept through their shift, did not get up, do their, do their chores that they were supposed to do for breakfast for the campers. And Brother Sawkill called a meeting in his office with all the interns. Even though one overslept, we all got called into the office. And we knew we were about to feel the wrath of Brother Sawkill. And so we're all filing into his office. He's sitting behind the desk, very stoic. No one's saying a word. And then when everyone gets in, he just looks at all of us in the eyes, and he says two, two sentences. I am so disappointed. This better never happen again. That was it. That's all he said. That's all he needed to say. And there was a dagger in our hearts. We felt terrible. And yet, in that moment, we learned something from that tough conversation, and we never overslept again. Now, how was he able to be so effective in that conversation, even though he said so little? Well, the answer is because we respected him. He lived to his own standard, and he made that standard clear to all of us. And we all respected him and his standard, and we respected how he carried it. And we also knew that he loved and cared for us. He did all the things that we talked about last week in the tough conversation. He, he had laid that groundwork that when it came time to have that tough conversation, two sentences was all that was required. You know, tough conversations are not conversations that people generally look forward to having. However, from time to time, they are necessary to have. Last week, we started talking about the why of tough conversations. Why is it important to have these conversations? And we also touched base on having some mindsets of those tough conversations. It is my opinion that understanding your why and having the right framework of mind will probably determine the outcome of the conversation more than the conversation itself. So I want to jump straight into some practical sides of having tough conversations. And what I want to do is I want to give you some, a list, some steps to think about when going into these tough conversations. Now, remember that tough conversations can be in a variety of situations with endless variables. And so sometimes it's very simple as someone has a terrible idea and, and they're persistent about this idea and you need to redirect them. That's, that's a very simple, tough conversation. At the far end of the other spectrum, sometimes people have a character flaw and you need to confront that. And then there's everything in between. So when you're starting to talk about steps to having a tough conversation, you need to recognize that I'm about to give you some generalities and you need to walk with wisdom to know how to apply some of these things to the conversation that you have and to the situation that you find yourself in. Step one, you need to determine if a tough conversation is even needed. Before I jump into having a tough conversation, I need to determine is this a conversation that really needs to be had? 
There's an art to knowing when it is time to have tough conversations. Now, we tend to err in one of two directions. Either one, we tend to have tough conversations too soon, or at the other end, we just don't have tough conversations at all. So we need to get this, we need to get this art figured out of when it's time to have the right tough conversation. So how do I know it's time to have a tough conversation? Here's some things to think about. There's a consistent lack of performance that needs to be corrected. Or there's a team member that's not exhibiting the values and the culture that's consistent with the one that you want. Or maybe there's a team member that's constantly trying to run with an idea that's outside the vision of what you're trying to do. Or there's a character issue that continually comes to the surface. Or there is a strife inside the organization is creating dysfunction. You know, basically what we're saying is there, there's, there's things that you're seeing that are consistent and you now know that you have a problem. These are just perhaps some of the reasons why you'd want to have a tough conversation. But when I see that I have a problem, when it's evident I have a problem, then I need to address the, the problem. Because if I defer having this conversation, then the people are not going to change on their own and the problem is only going to grow and it will start to negatively affect the other team members in the organization as a whole. So the danger for a leader is that we have a tendency to start making excuses for the team member and so we just don't trust our gut. We say, oh, this isn't a problem. I don't need to have this conversation. We push it off too far. When I have a problem, I need to address the problem. Step two, timing, location, and rapport with the individual will make a difference in that conversation. So sometimes you need to have a tough conversation over lunch or coffee. Other times you need to have a tough conversation over a desk inside of an office. Rarely, if ever, do you need to have a tough conversation over the phone. Look, we, we humans are fickle creatures, and so we tend to respond a certain way to the environment in which we find ourselves in. So if I'm concerned a team member is having problems at home, and I feel the need I, I need to check up on them, I don't want to put on my suit and tie, call them to the office, and be very rigid. I don't want to check on them in a more casual atmosphere. On the other hand, if I have a team member who's not performing properly, and I've kind of lightheartedly addressed these issues in the past or maybe, you know, had some conversations, you know, over coffee or whatever, and I'm not seeing any improvements. Now it's time to add a little more formality to this conversation. Perhaps suit and tie in the office over a desk is the direct way to go. In fact, I, I'm probably even going to have this conversation bullet pointed out and I'm going to hand it to them. So it's in writing. Why? Because I want them to understand based upon their environment, the level of severity of this conversation. I want them to, I want it to click. You, you get the idea. You, you need to allow the environment to dictate uh, the, 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 the need of the conversation, rather, to dictate the environment in which that conversation needs to have. And you'll be surprised at the outcome of your tough conversation when you get the environment right. Step three, I need to gain clarity on the truth so that I can clearly communicate the truth. This is, without a doubt, the most important point in this talk. You need to understand the truth. When it comes to tough conversations, we need to have clarity on what needs to be said, why it needs to be said, and how it needs to be said, and what we hope to gain as an outcome. The higher the tension of the conversation, the more weight associated with that conversation, then the more clarity I need to have when I'm walking into that conversation. Why do I need clarity? Well, because I need to know what the facts are and the truth. My opinions are not as important as the truth, and my emotion can cloud the truth. And I believe a lot of people struggle to have tough conversations, or they beat around the bush in the middle of a tough conversation because they do not have clear clarity on what they're trying to articulate, and they don't have clarity in their own mind for the position that they're taking. They don't have clarity on the truth, and so they don't even know how to, how to have this conversation with a person. They just stumble over their words, and they beat around the bush. 
So what this means is when I know I need to have a conversation, if I'm afforded the availability and the time, then I need to take that time and I need to mentally prepare before walking into this conversation. I need to gain clarity on the truth. And notice I keep saying truth because a lot of times in tough conversations, we, we start uh, deferring to our emotions or to our opinions and then the conversation doesn't go well. I need to have a conversation based upon fact and truth. Fact and truth. How do I gain that fact and truth? By asking the right questions myself. You know, what are the facts associated with this conversation? What is at stake if I ignore this problem? You know, what culpability do I have to the problem? Is this problem a result of my poor leadership? What is the desired outcome for this conversation? You know, what potential ignorances do I have in this situation that I need to be aware of in this conversation? You know, these are clarifying questions. Now, this clarity allows me to speak with tact, allows me to speak with some wisdom, allows me to speak with some, some reason. And what that communicates to the other person is some resolve. And that's important in these conversations. Let me, let me give you an example of this because I, I really want to drill down on this so that, that we catch it. Let me give you an example. Let's pretend that I have a nursery worker who's consistently late. You know, I, I would probably bullet point some things out in a, in a conversation before I ever walk in there. And here's, here's what my bullet points would be so that I, I can stay clear. Okay, our doors open at 845. That means people are going to start showing up at 845. Babies are going to be there at 845. Our volunteers need to be in that room by 830 to make sure that they are prepared for that baby. This is clearly stated in our policy, and the volunteers have been made aware of this policy. We hold this policy because the soul in the bumbo is as important as a soul in the pew. When a volunteer is not there on time, then there is no one to watch that baby, which means that another volunteer in another place that showed up on time is now going to have to accommodate for this baby, which means that they're lowering the ministry and the safety for everyone else in the kids' center. And my desired outcome is that the volunteer assesses their desire to commit to this nursery. And if they continue to commit, that they would resolve themselves to be on time or they, if they do not want to commit, they would remove themselves. So I would write those, those things out into a bullet point. So that way, when I go into this conversation, I have clarity on the what, the why, uh, and what the desired outcome is. And now I'm mentally prepared for that. While we're talking about desired outcome, that is step number four. I need to go into this conversation with a clear desired outcome. In my opinion, this is often an overlooked need when it comes to tough conversations. Before I walk into the conversation, I need clarity on what I want to come out of this conversation. The more serious this conversation, the more important is I have clarity on the outcome. Let's go to an extreme for a moment. Let's pretend you have a team member that is no longer working within the team. You've had other conversations, and it's time to find them a new serving opportunity that better fits them. You've des you, you decide a conversation needs to be had, and by the end of that conversation, they need to move to a new seat on the bus. Then when you walk into that conversation, you need to be determined that by the end of this, this person knows that there is a change coming. And I believe that you should walk into most conversations with a plan of action. Here's why. If you do not have clarity on your desired outcome, then when you get into that conversation, your emotions might get the better of you and you might be, get sold on something different or the other person might take the direction that you do not want to go. Now, you might say, well, is that wise to walk into a conversation with a predetermined outcome? Here's the deal. You're smart. You have wisdom. If overwhelming evidence presents itself in the middle of this conversation, you are more than able to adjust 
You have that right. No one knows that you have a predetermined outcome. You can adjust if needed. However, what I believe you will find is that nine out of 10 times, your predetermined outcome is what needs to happen even after you have this conversation. Step five, remember that tone and tenor dictates the melody of the conversation. We want these conversations to be smooth. We want them to be buttery. Having a tough conversation takes some rhythm and fluidity. Okay, there, th- This is why it's important to determine the location, have clarity on what needs to be said in the outcome. This way, when you get into the conversation, you have freedom of thought. You're not, you're not, you're not thinking on the fly. You, you've already, you've already kind of thought some things out. So you, you can be more relaxed in that conversation. And now you can have some fluidity if the need arises. You can have some rhythm in this conversation. This is, this is very important. When I have a conversation with someone, I don't want to be rude and I don't want to be hostile and I don't want to be sterile. That's not necessary at all. Rather, I want to be calm. I want to be respectful. I want to be understanding. I want to be strong. 98% of the conversations we're going to have, we're, we're hoping for a peaceful outcome anyways to continue to work in this relationship. So why do I want my tone and tenor to be anything other than you know respectful and understanding and calm? That's all that is really needed for us. So I set the tone and tenor of that conversation uh, for a peaceful resolution. I, I, I want to come as a friend and a colleague. I, I want to own my own mistakes first. You know, rarely is there a need to try to flex on the other person. You know, I want to be clear in the purpose of having this conversation. In short, I want to approach this conversation from a place of friendship and civility. I want to speak clearly and articulate everything that I've dealt with to this moment. And when you approach people as friends, they tend to be friendly back to you. And these tough conversations that we're worried about most of the time go really, really well. In fact, we're probably closer after the tough conversation than before. Step six, remember that most people just desire to be heard. When you're approaching the tough conversation, you need to remember to give space for the other person to have their voice heard. Why do I want to do this? Well, if you hold to the integrity of the truth, like we've been talking about, then you want to get a perspective of the situation from the other person. And you have to reserve the right to be wrong. You know, there is a potential that you are wrong. And when you get in there and you hear their, their side, maybe there's some overwhelming evidence that comes to surface and say, okay, well, I need to pivot here. I, I'm not seeing this correctly. That does happen from time to time. So you need to realize that when you give them space and, and, and you're honoring them when you do that, no one likes to be on the receiving end of an angry, you know, barrage. So if you don't want to be treated that way, then don't treat other people that way. So you can ask some questions in your conversation like this, you know, Hey, am I, am I understanding this correctly? Help me understand. You know, is it appropriate, you know, for me to ask you what what you think of this? Those type of questions uh, will help you navigate this conversation. And questions are always better than accusations. We want to give the other person an opportunity to, to be heard, and we want to create a dialogue because within dialogue, res, restitution is 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 fostered. I want to wrap it up with step number seven. If you want a good outcome then there needs to be a genuine commitment to the other person. Listen, at the end of the day, we're a church and we're in the people business. And we need to be for people and not against people. So when I am committed to this person, that removes a lot of the hostility in the conversation. And listen, people can tell if you're for them or against them. They can tell when you are having this conversation because you believe in them and you're trying to help them or if you're hurting them and trying to beat them down. Are you having this tough conversation the way that Jesus would have this tough conversation? The Bible tells us that a loving father disciplines his children, so the father corrects us. The Bible tells us something else, that wounds from a friend can be trusted. And I think that's the key to all this. 
You know, we have to love people enough that we have these tough conversations. And when we love people, we will approach these conversations the right way. When we love people, they will see the heart within us for them. When we love people, those conversations are going to be fruitful. So we cannot be afraid to have the tough conversation. God bless you. Catch you next week.